Jeremiah, specifically chapter 2, more specifically verse 13. On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series going through the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. He was given a message by God to deliver to a nation, to a church, and to homes, and to a people that chose to forget God and to forsake Him. And there's many parallels that you'll see in our study with what Jeremiah was facing in his day and what you and I are facing in ours. Jeremiah chapter 2, the title of the message, Substituting the Phony for the Real. Substituting the Phony for the Real. Jeremiah 2, and I want you just to focus on one verse Verse 13, Jeremiah, speaking for the Lord, says, For my people have committed two evils. They've committed two weak, uh, wickednesses. They've committed two sins that are major. The first one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. The second, they have dug for themselves by their own hands cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Many years ago, driven by greed, some food producers began to substitute good ingredients in the food that we eat with bad ingredients. They began to water down the milk that we purchased from the supermarket. Some of them diluted our milk by up to 25% with water. And then they added chalk to the milk to restore the bright white color that was lost in the dilution. They added sawdust to our oatmeal. They added sand to our dessert so they could cut back on the sugar. They called gypsum and calcium and, and gelatin fat and mashed potatoes butter and sold it as such. They made a butter substitute called oleomargarine that was made of hog fat, bleached, and associated leftover parts from animals and vegetables. They mix sawdust with cheese to make it go further and they could make more money. They used red beet juice to color old meat that it would look like it was freshly ground. They added fried seagull to fried chicken, hoping that nobody would notice what they had done. They made beef soup that was primarily made of beef roadkill. When people put greed ahead of all things, they will do anything. And these people sadly, but uh, amazingly and appallingly, chose for their own profits to mess up our food. 
Fortunately, our government eventually stepped in and corrected much of this. But as we go to Jeremiah chapter 2, we see the Israelites are taking things that were good and making it bad. The Israelites, for the purposes of sexual immorality and pagan practices that they seem to wanted to accommodate, have substituted bad idols for a living God. Jeremiah says in verse 13, they have traded the fresh flowing water of God for the toxic, stagnant waters of idols. Think about that. Why would anybody in their right mind or their right heart choose to have hot, uh, nasty, still water to drink over water that's cool and tasty and flowing? Why would anyone want to drink from water that's been stored in a cistern when you can drink from water that's coming down a mountain in a spring? It doesn't make any sense. Why would anyone desire a lifeless, infinite, worthless God when they can have the true and the living God of power and value? I can't answer those questions for you. But I was thinking about them. And maybe in verse 13, the answer is right before our eyes. Maybe it's because the Israelites could create their own gods that would better be in tune with what they wanted to do versus having to listen to the God of heaven who demands holiness. Maybe it, they would rather drink from these nasty, dirty cisterns that they built with their own hands Maybe they wanted to do that because they wanted to live a certain way and the God of the fresh flowing spring water would not allow them to do that. Maybe they wanted to be violent so they create a God who will allow them to worship him with terrorism and war, such as the god Mars. Maybe they wanted to practice sexual immorality and sexual perversion. And so they created a god who would allow such vile acts to take place in his worship. Venus. Maybe they desired to drink alcoholic beverage. Maybe they wanted to drink beer and wine and whiskey. And they had to find them a God who would allow them to do that. So along comes Bacchus. Maybe they wanted to rule their own life. Maybe they wanted to be the captain of their own ship and the master of their own destiny. 
Maybe they didn't want to bend their knee to any other god. So they made themselves a god. We call that pantheism. You see, the Israelites were tired of listening to God of heaven. So they decided for their own purposes, narcissistic, foolish, wicked, pagan purposes, that they would forget this God and forsake this God and they would accommodate the gods that they created out of their own hands. that shock you? It really shouldn't. You know why? We do the same thing. We live in a day and age where we're looking for a God. We're looking for a church. We're looking for a pastor. We're looking for a style of worship that allows us to do what we want to do. If we can't find it at Miles Road, we'll go to John Doe Baptist Church. If we can't find it at John Doe Baptist Church, we'll go to Mary Sue Baptist Church. We're going to find us a place where we can worship a God that we have created, a God who allows us to do whatever we want, and we'll find us a pastor who will tell us it's okay, and we'll go to a church that will allow us to do it. That's why we see so much today of movement among churches. You know, there's an Elvis church. Pastor dresses like Elvis. You know how they worship? With Elvis songs. And there's actually people who want that, so they go to that church. You know, there are people who want to live together outside the covenant of marriage. You look long enough, you'll find a church that will allow you to do that. There's some people who want to use foul language. They don't want to be told they can't cuss and they can't tell dirty stories. So they will find them a place that allows them to do that. Maybe even the pastor does it. There's some people who want to drink alcohol. They want to belly up to the bar and have a Coors. They want to belly up to the bar and have a Jack Daniels and Coke. They don't want to be told they can't drink their alcohol. So they will find them a church that will allow them to do that and maybe even a pastor who will drink. Some people are looking for a church that they can come and go as they please. They don't have to sit in a sanctuary like this. They can sit in the the coffee shop of that particular church. And they can drink their coffee and they can watch it on the big screen. And when they're ready to go home, they'll go home. They don't have to serve. They don't have to give. They can come and go as they please, dress however they want to dress. Pay attention as much or as little as they want to. There's some people who are looking for a place where homosexuality is allowed, abortion is permitted, gambling is okay. There's others who are looking for a nightclub atmosphere 
you know, smoke, noise, party. Listen to me. Whatever you're looking for, you can find. And whatever God you want, you can make. And that's what the Israelites were doing. We're tired of this God. We're tired of his ethics. We're tired of his morals. We're tired of his doctrines. Therefore, we're going to sit him on the shelf. And we're going to create our own gods. And if they're not already created, we will create them. And these gods will allow us to do what we want to do. And we'll do it. Superhero movies are popular today. Some years ago, when they were thinking about starting this series of superhero movies, they hired a writer by the name of Jim Lee. And they asked him to do a makeover of Batman. They, they wanted a whole different Batman. They didn't want a Batman that was a good guy. They wanted a Batman that had a dark side to it. So Jim Lee created a Batman that would be shadowy, secretive, brooding, vindictive, temperamental, a little edgy, maybe even a little bit villainous, just depending on how you looked at it. And that started a series of Batman movies that really became Batman became more of a villain in many ways than a hero. Well, then they asked Jim Lee to mess with Superman a little bit. Because Batman was soaring in popularity and Superman was kind of flat. And they're getting ready to release some movies on Superman. Now, all of us have grew up reading his comic books or watching him on television. Superman has always been a colorful character. He's been truthful. He's been honest. He's been altruistic. He's been righteous. He's always had a hero persona. The American way. Well, Jim Lee said, well, if the public likes a shadowy, dark Batman, maybe they would like a shadowy, dark Superman. And so he's he began to think about how to turn Superman, just like they did Batman. I find it interesting what he said in this turn that was going to take place. He said, Superman is obsolete and outdated. We need a flawed Superman who's more like ourselves. A Superman that doesn't make us better but a Superman that appeals to our worst. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what we've done. We don't want a God that makes us better. We want a God that appeals to our worst. And that's what Jeremiah is speaking to Israel about in chapter 2. 
Israel wants a God that they can identify with. Israel wants a God that they can make to be just like themselves. Israel wants a God that allows them to be as low as they want to go and doesn't lift them up high and holy. The God of the Bible is outdated. He's obsolete. He needs to be replaced. We're not atheists. We don't want to live without God. We just don't want that God. And so we're going to take our hands and make our own cisterns. And in those cisterns, we'll put our stagnant, toxic water into them. And we'll drink of those cisterns rather than the flowing, living water of God of the heavens. We'll replace the old God with a new God. And that's what's taking place in Israel. That was what's taking place in the church of Jeremiah's day. That was what was taking place in the homes of those that lived in Jeremiah's day. That's what was on the mind and heart of many who called themselves Israelites in Jeremiah's day. Let me ask you a question. How do you get there? How can you fall so far in that, in that thinking? How can you fall so far in that feeling? Because if you notice in verse 8, if you're looking at Jeremiah chapter 2, notice in verse 8 that they still have priests. They still have prophets. They still have a temple where they go to worship. They still have the law. They still have all the, the religious pretense. But they become a religion that's built on preference and accommodation and compromise and correctness. And through a process of appeasement that took years, they now find themselves without a biblical faith. Instead, they have a Frankenstein religion. Nothing ever happens overnight, although it may appear to. Before a building collapses because of its foundation crumbling, there's erosion that's taking place for a long time before then. All we see is the collapse. We don't often see the erosion. As the faith of Israel is now collapsing, Jeremiah knows it didn't just happen. It's been eroding for a long time under different kings and high priests and among people who said, we don't want this God no more. That's what's happening in America. We've chose to replace our Christian biblical faith and heritage with a religion that's based on preference and accommodation and compromise and correctness. 
desert storm. We send American men and women in uniform to the Middle East to shed their blood for the cause of freedom. But we tell them they can't share their faith in Jesus. Think about that. Go and wear the uniform of this country that was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Go shed your blood for those people, but don't open your mouth and witness to them because that will offend them. And that's what our American soldiers were told. No tracts, no crosses, no witnessing, no visible Bibles, no Bible verses, no Christian songs. Hide it away, keep it to yourself. It came to a head when Franklin Graham mobilized the American people to send care packages to our American men and women serving over there. Millions of packages were were put together by Franklin Graham and his ministry, Samaritan's Purse, and they put all kind of hygienic articles and, and, and practical articles in that little kit that they devised But Franklin Graham said, we're also going to put something else in that kit. We're going to put a track, a gospel track in Arabic that they can give to those people over there that they will come to know the Christ that we know. Well, the powers to be, from the top all the way down, did not like that. From the top all the way down, they didn't like it. So they had a chaplain call Franklin Graham to tell him what he was doing was not permissible. And Franklin Graham had a debate with the chaplain. And it ended with the chaplain saying, Listen, I understand what you want to do. I'm not against it. I'm an evangelical just like you. But I'm under orders to tell you you can't do it. And Franklin Graham said, let me tell you something. I'm under orders too. And my superior is higher than yours. And I'm doing it. How low have we went? when we can't even share our faith, but we can shed our blood for people. By the way, that Franklin Graham has a book that he wrote many years ago, Rebel Without a Cause, and that story's in there for those of you who might want to read it in totality. I just gave you a capsulized version of it. But you see, whenever we start apologizing for God, appeasing our God, compromising our God, seeking to morph Him and to change Him into something He's not because we want to be acceptable and accommodating and we want everybody to love and like us. We want to be correct. That's when it all begins to happen. The erosion. One day we're going to find ourselves, if we're not careful, just like Jeremiah's day. 
We've changed God. We've made a God of our own imagination. We've made a God of our own hands. In fact, we've made ourselves God. And now we can do what we want to do and nobody can tell us it's wrong. You know what Jeremiah's message was to the people of his day? His message was no more compromise. No more substitutes. No more altering with the real thing. No more of that. Seek the true and the living God. Trust and obey the true and the living God. Serve the true and the living God. Live for the true and living God. And if need be, you die for the true and living God. But don't exchange him. And don't trade him. And don't change him. And don't morph him. And don't apologize for him. And don't compromise him. In Hebrews chapter 11. We see the Hall of Fame. You know what every one of those men and women that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 have in common? They were all greats. You say, Pastor, do you believe there's a Hall of Fame in heaven? There could be. We have one in Cooperstown, New York. We got one in Cleveland, Ohio. We got one in Canton, Ohio. I guess we could have one in heaven. Amen. We're going to honor baseball players and rock and rollers and football players. I guess we can honor saints. In Hebrews chapter 11, we get a picture of who might be there if there is such a thing. And you know, they all have one thing in common. Back to what I was saying. Every one of them chose Jesus. They had a chance to make a compromise they had a chance to make an appeasement. They had a chance to, to morph or to change the God that they gave their allegiance to. And one by one, they said, no. We choose Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible, we choose him. What will Israel do? You come back next week and the weeks afterwards and you'll find out. What's America going to do? I think we'll see in November and we might see in the years to come very quickly what choices we've made in that regard. But more importantly than what Israel did or what America will do, is the question is what you and I are going to do. Because maybe we've been playing fast and loose with the God of heaven too. Maybe we've been seeking a God that, of our own imagination. Maybe we've been making a God of our own hands. Maybe we've been looking for a place that tolerates and accommodates what we want to say and do and not what the Bible teaches. Maybe we are, have allowed our faith to become eroded by worldliness and paganism and carnality. Maybe we are guilty of that too. 
Maybe we need to make a choice tonight what we're going to do. Joshua called his people together, and in the last great speech he gave, he said, choose this day who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the gods that are around us, the imaginations, the inventions, the idols? If you're going to serve them, go serve them and keep your mouth shut about Jesus. Or are you going to serve the Lord God of the Bible and love him with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength? If you are, stand up and speak up for him. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.